You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. It's about the test of faith, not the kind of test that you take in school where God is exposing your lack of faith, because that's mostly what we think a test is. It exposes what we don't have. But what God is doing in every test is giving you the opportunity to grow into something greater. The opportunity to be elevated, to be lifted up, to be lifted up out of your natural belief into a supernatural belief of the one true and living God. In our culture, life seems to always be about getting ahead. We're constantly looking for that special edge, something that gets us ahead, something to help us climb up another rung on the ladder. In today's message, Pastor Holland teaches us that in the Christian walk, it should be God that lifts us up. When we experience testing and trials and things that are often viewed as setbacks, we must remember that it's Him that elevates us. He's the one who will lead us into greater things, not for our glory, but for His. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Numbers as he continues his message, Waiting in the Wilderness. Moses tells the people, don't fear, God has come to test you. What does he mean when he says God has come to test you? What's interesting, because in the Hebrew, there are two root words for test. Two root words for test. Bechina and Nisayon. Bechina and Nisayon. And Bechina is the kind of test you take in school. It's a test that's designed to give you insight into your skill or your ability. It's to basically expose what you know. Most of us look at tests and we think it's just exposing what I don't know because you don't get 100%. But it's really exposing what you know, what you actually think, what you actually feel. The second word is nisayon. And nisayon is a very interesting word because it's better seen as an experience. It's an experience or it's an obstacle or it's a struggle that offers the opportunity to propel the person to grow beyond his or her natural ability. In other words, it gives you the opportunity to step into something that you would never step into on your own, in your own thinking, in your own uh, way of living. You would never think. It's an opportunity to achieve what is thought to be impossible. Remember when you couldn't drive a car, you know, and the whole idea of being behind a wheel. I remember the first time I sat behind a wheel, I just thought, I'm just going to die. I'm going to crash into someone. I'm just going to die. It's just going to happen. You know, it's what you do. I was so intimidated, you know, mostly because I couldn't see above the wheel. But um, <laughs> had to put some books underneath me. You know, just to kind of, you know, I can't help it that my mom is only four foot tall. So it's just one of those things. But, um, but you know, I just was terrified until I drove a little bit and then I got comfortable. And now, you know, now I feel like I'm Mario Andretti or whoever the, you know, Indy 500 guy is. You know, I feel like I got it under control. But it was through that experience that I stepped into something that I didn't think was possible. You know, it's an opportunity to grow into something greater. It's an opportunity for growth. 
But it's not just a natural opportunity. The second root word for nasot is nes. And nes literally means mast or flag. And when you see that word, it generally refers to a sign or something miraculous or something supernatural that reveals or shows something or points to something. And so Moses tells the people, do not fear because God is coming to you to give you this supernatural experience of his presence in order to propel you, to grow you into a supernatural relationship that is beyond your natural ability. Through this supernatural encounter, you're going to grow. You're going to be propelled forward, and you couldn't get there on your own. I remember the first time that I prayed for someone who was healed from the sickness. It was a, in our church. I was leading worship. I had a picture in my mind of, of something that God wanted to heal, a part of the body. And it was someone that was going through female problems. And so I said, just come forward at the end of the service. And I took a huge risk, you know, never, not really did this before. And, um, this person came forward, said, that's me. And I had some ladies pray for her. And as they're praying for her, they could not have children. It was one of those things where they weren't able to have kids. And so as the women were praying for her, she says, I feel things moving in her body. The next week she comes back, she says, I think the Lord completely healed me. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, like, yeah, I, th- I think so. A year later, we dedicated her baby in church. The Lord had healed her. I think that deserves an applause. God is good. But through that experience, all of a sudden, what did it do? It propelled me forward. It caused me to believe God for more. Wow, God, if you can do this, what else can you do? And it caused my faith to grow because now I had an experience with God that wasn't just in my heart. It was in reality. I saw God move in power. I saw him do something that I couldn't explain in my own natural ability. It was supernatural. And I've seen God do that ever since. And every time it happens, it propels me forward. It moves me forward. It elevates me in my relationship with the Lord because I now trust him for things that I would not have trusted him before because he has grown me. I've grown in my relationship with God. And so that is what Moses is telling them. Listen, God is going to give you this experience where you're going to grow in your relationship and how you see God. And what is the experience that God is bringing to them? He says here to put his fear before them. And what that literally means when it says before them, it means to put his fear right on their face. To put the fear right here. What is that fear? It's the awareness of the presence of God right here. So everywhere they look, what do they see? Do they see the circumstance? No, they see God. They see the presence of God right there. People ask, what is the fear of the Lord? You know, I've heard all the explanation. You know, it's because he's so big and reverence and all this stuff. Well, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want wisdom? It begins with the fear of the Lord, with that awareness as God is right here, right on your face, right in front of you. You cannot get around him. He's right here. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. And it's walking in wisdom. 
that they may not sin. That word sin means to miss the mark. So why is God doing this? So they will know what his will is. They'll know what they should do, what they shouldn't do, because his presence will be right there, right in front of them. You know, when the fear of the Lord is on you, you have the wisdom to do his will. It's simple, because his presence is right there in front of you, and you don't want to do anything to dishonor God. You don't want to do anything to disobey God because he's right there. You're aware of his nearness to you. And so this is what the book of Numbers is about. It's about the test of faith. Not the kind of test that you take in school where God is exposing your lack of faith because that's mostly what we think a test is. It exposes what we don't have. But what God is doing in every test is giving you the opportunity to grow into something greater. The opportunity to be elevated, to be lifted up, to be lifted up out of your natural belief into a supernatural belief of the one true and living God. Now, is this in the New Testament? Do we see this in the New Testament? Yes, we do in the book of James. And so I'm going to kind of bring this to you. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love them. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now, James uses this word, temptation. In the Greek, it's the word pyrazo, pyrazo. But even in the Greek, it's better translated, tested, to be tested. So when he says here, blessed is the man who endures temptation, it's blessed is the man who endures the test. He endures when he's tested. And he says there, let no one say that he is, when he is tested, that I am tested by God. For God cannot be tested by evil, nor does he himself test anyone. But each one is tested when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So what brings the test into our life? Our desires. Our own desires is what causes the tests of our lives. We want something, and it's not what God wants for us. And now we're in the middle of a test. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, testing. I hate that verse. I want a verse that says, in this world, you're going to expound with supernatural blessing your whole life. I would love a verse like that. But Jesus said, no, in this world, you're going to be tested. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome. I have overcome. That's the elevation. When you overcome, you get lifted up. You get elevated. So that's what he's talking about here. James is talking about temptation, but it's the Greek word pyrazo. Now, we've been told in the Greek that this word is better translated examination. So it's the idea of a school test. And you pass the test and you're approved. And 
In the Greek, it means to ascertain the nature of something, including its imperfections, faults, and other qualities. So all of that is true. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. But what's interesting is when you take this word pyrazo, and in the Septuagint, you translate it back to the Hebrew. What word do you think they used? Do you think they used the word bechina, which is exam? Or did they use the word nisayon, which means to have the opportunity to grow? Well, According to how it's been defined, you would think it would be the first, that it would be the examination. But what is interesting here is that in the Septuagint, it's actually the word nisayon, the word for growth, for revelation. And so what is James saying? Every temptation is a test. Every temptation is an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for you to grow into something greater. It's not a test that comes from God to expose you. It's a test that gives you the opportunity to experience God's power in your life. And when you experience God's power, what does it do? It lifts you up. It elevates you. It draws you closer to him. That's the whole idea of elevation, by the way. That whole idea of elevation is drawing near to God. It's not that you become greater and more powerful. It's that you become closer to God through that experience. You draw near to God because he reveals his power in your life. Now, if you choose to ignore God's power, notice the contrast. With God, you're always being elevated. But then with your desires, you're always being brought down. You can go down into your desires or you can go up towards the Lord. You can be elevated towards the Lord. And so, if you choose to ignore God's power, which is in you by the Holy Spirit, by the way, every believer who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. And the Bible says, if the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken, enliven, bring life to your body. It brings life to you. And so the Holy Spirit that brings life is in you. The power of the Spirit is working in you, whether you see it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, the Holy Spirit is at work within you. Now, if you ignore it, if you quench the Spirit, then you're going to be drawn down into your desires. 
And those desires are born out of unbelief because it's me saying God isn't going to take care of me. God isn't going to provide for me. What God has said is not enough for me. I need to go take care of myself. I need to take care of that need by myself. And I'm the only one. I know what's best for me. It's always crazy to me when I'm counseling someone and they come in with that attitude. I know what's right for my life. This person is not right for my life. I know what's best for my life. And I'm watching them head towards destruction. After they make a mess of things, then it's like, well, how did that work for you? How does your life work now? Because you know what's best for you, right? No. God knows what's best for you. I have to trust him. I have to allow him to work. But if I quench the spirit, I'm drawn down into my desires, born out of unbelief, it gives birth to sin. Anything that is not of faith is sin. That's what the Bible says. So it gives birth to sin, and if you continue in it, it leads to death. What happened in the book of Numbers? You had a whole generation of people that died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. They experienced the power of God. But they died in the wilderness. Why? Because they didn't allow that experience to transform them, to elevate them, to change them. They were pulled down by their desires. And the example that Hosea mentions, Hosea chapter 2, is the valley of Achor. And that word Achor means trouble, the valley of trouble. In Joshua 6, after the battle of Jericho, Achan from the tribe of Judah kept some of the spoils of Jericho for himself. And one of the things that he kept was an idol, a false god. And in Joshua 7, when Israel fought against the city of Ai, which was a much smaller city, it was a tiny little town compared to Jericho, they couldn't beat it. They got defeated badly. And so they go back to God and they're like, God, what's the problem here? We just defeated Jericho. You know, it's like defeating L.A. And we can't defeat San Clemente. How did that work? You know, we can't conquer this. And so God reveals to them, it's because of Achan. Achan disobeyed me. Achan's got an idol. And what makes Achan's sin so profound is that it is the first recorded act of disobedience after Israel crosses into the promised land. And idolatry to God is adultery. That's what he calls it. You're cheating on me. You're cheating on me with another God. By the way, all addictions are idolatry. Every single one of them. It's worshiping a false God, worshiping another God, and God calls it adultery. Remember, Israel had experienced the mighty power of God defeating Jericho, but one man decided to be unfaithful to God. And Israel, at this point, is betrothed. They're betrothed to God. They've made a promise. They've entered into a covenant. I belong to God. And God desires for Israel to call him husband. That's his intent. He's declared it openly. I want to have one of the most intimate relationships I can have with you. Marriage is the most intimate relationship we can have in this life. 
That's what God wanted with us. And Israel rejected it the first day that they were in the promised land. One more thing I want to add about the betrothal. During the betrothal, the groom would go away and prepare a place for the bride. He would go to his father's house and usually build a large room addition or build a little place for them to live. And when that was done, when the place was ready, then the bridegroom would return and get his bride and bring her back to the place that he promised to give her. So what did God promise to give to Israel? The promised land. And so as Israel is in this time of waiting, what is God doing? God is preparing the promised land for them. And God has told them it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a really nice place. In fact, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 43, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. So God says, listen, I am preparing this beautiful place for you. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. It's going to be a land of abundance, a land of blessing. You're going to love it so much, you're going to tell everybody about it. You see, that's what it says when it says, they will declare my praise. That doesn't mean that they're going to walk around singing, how great is our God. That's not what he's talking about. They're talking about how good God is. When we declare the praise of God, that doesn't mean we're like, you know, Sound of music, we're walking through the fields and all of a sudden, my heart is alive, you know. And you start breaking out in a song in the middle of Albertsons. That's not what he's talking about. It means that your heart is so filled with what God has done that it just comes out of you. It just happens. You just start talking about it. Oh, man, the Lord really blessed me today. He did. What did he do? And then you just start declaring his praise. That's what he's talking about. He says, you're going to love this. You're going to tell everyone what I've done for you. Jeremiah in Jeremiah 13, 11 says, Cling to me that you may become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory. For renown, for praise, and for glory. That word renown means that everyone's going to be talking about you. Everyone's going to be talking about what, how great your God is. And that was the thing about Israel. Everyone knew the God of Israel. Everyone was afraid of the God of Israel because everyone knew that the God of Israel had power. Friends, thank you for listening to the program today. You know, the statistics on life are quite staggering. It's been said that one out of every one person is going to die. And on that day, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready to meet God? Well, you can be ready. You can have that assurance that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart to say, Lord Jesus, I want to be ready to meet you. I surrender my life to you. 
Forgive me for all my sins and wash me clean of all the wickedness I've done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer with me right now, I can tell you with full assurance that you are going to be in heaven. Thanks for tuning in today to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. You've been listening to just one message in a series through the book of Numbers. Isn't it interesting that God gave the Israelites a chance to spy out the land, showing them the promise and the blessing that he would give them? But the people became fearful of the enemy. The truth is, it's easy to get stuck in that mode nowadays as well. God promises blessing for his followers, but it's easy to get bogged down by the things that look hard to overcome. The examples you read about in the Bible are a guide to help you learn from their mistakes. Don't let fear and doubt crowd your mind and heart. Let God's courage and strength ignite a drive to do the things God's called you to do, like Joshua and Caleb did. If you've been enjoying these messages and you live in the San Clemente area, why not join us in person to hear more? You can join us this weekend for church. We have services every Sunday and Thursday where we dig into the Bible together and spend time getting to know one another in deeper, more meaningful ways. Just visit calvarysanclemente.org for service times and directions. You can also be a part of our services virtually. We're streaming through YouTube and Facebook Live as well as on our website. Again, you'll find those links at calvarysanclemente.org. That's all we have time for today, but we do look forward to the next edition as Pastor Holland continues on in the book of Numbers, right here on Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at worshipliferadio.com.